Hello, everyone. Welcome to the True Path Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining in today. So today is session seven, and we're continuing our study in the book of Daniel. We'll be discussing chapter three, verses 19 through 30 today. So we ended last session with King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon in an effort to consolidate his vast empire under his own political and religious authority has built an enormous gold statue. And he's gathered together all his officials from every sphere of Babylonian life to bow and worship this gold statue. And if they refused, they would be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Now, among the great crowd of people present at this gathering, only three men refused to bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, it seems pretty evident at this point that Daniel was not in attendance at this event. I mean, from what we know about Daniel, I'm sure he wouldn't he would have been standing with his three friends in refusing to pay homage to an idol. Scholars suggest that Daniel may have been attending to other business in another area of the kingdom at this time. So just for a moment, imagine the scene. I mean, all the dignitaries throughout the kingdom, a veritable who's who of Babylon, are all dressed in their finest attire. They've been summoned by the king himself to this grand event. The triumphant music from every kind of instrument begins to play. And as the music swells to a crescendo, everyone is filled with emotion and they begin bowing and paying homage to the spectacle of a gold statue. I mean, you can see how easily mob mentality could take over in a situation like that. But not for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They kept their wits about them. They didn't allow their faith in God to be swayed by emotion or grandeur or even the incredible display of power. And when King Nebuchadnezzar heard of their unwillingness to bow, he ordered them to be brought to him, and he gave them another chance to comply. And they responded in verses 17 and 18 by saying, God can rescue us from the blazing fire, and he can rescue us from you. But even if he does not, we still will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. You see, their love for God was not based on whether or not he rescued them. They were going to love and obey God even if things didn't turn out the way they wanted them to. And this is a challenge we all face as Christians. I mean, what if his answer to our prayer is no? Are we still going to trust him? Are we still going to love him? And I really don't think we can use the excuse, because I'm guilty of this, that, well, yeah, but that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, I could never have faith like that. They were special. And yes, they were special, but no more special than you. The same God they served is the same God you serve. We have access to the same faith, the same power, and the same wisdom that they did. So before we begin our reading of Nebuchadnezzar's response to their refusal, I'd like to throw out the question, what fiery furnace might God be preparing you for? So in verses 19 through 30, we read, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men, in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes, 
were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other god who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and his facial expression changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, why would his face change toward them? Well, remember, the original order was that anyone who does not bow would be immediately thrown into the furnace. Yet he gave these three men another chance. Now, why? Well, remember from chapter 1, the king found Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wiser and more capable, ten times more, than any of the other wise men in the kingdom. And in chapter 2, they were with Daniel when he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And Nebuchadnezzar promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after that. I mean, he promoted them to this position, and he gave them the benefit of the doubt, and they still refused to follow his order. So he was not only furious, but he felt betrayed. And anger mixed with bitterness and resentment leads to irrational actions. He ordered the furnace be heated seven times hotter than normal, as hot as possible. I mean, it was already hot enough to do the job. Maybe he wanted the level of the fire to match the level of his anger. And once again, Nebuchadnezzar let his anger get the best of him. Just like when he ordered the wise men, and they weren't able to interpret his dream, so he ordered all the wise men throughout the whole kingdom to be executed, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who weren't even consulted about the dream. Uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled actions. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Now, it doesn't say don't get angry. Just don't let your anger lead to sin. Nebuchadnezzar's anger led him to murder. And not only did he order the furnace temperature to be raised, but he also ordered his best soldiers 
to tie them up and throw them into the furnace. Now, why would that be necessary? I mean, why his best soldiers? Well, could it be that he remembered his own claim back in chapter 2? That the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was above all other gods and kings? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three of the wisest men in the kingdom. And they were willing to stake their lives on their belief in God. So maybe Nebuchadnezzar felt the need to take precautions in case their God decided to show up. But little did he know that the best soldiers in a hotter furnace would not usurp the power of the God of the universe. But see, Nebuchadnezzar could only see things through the eyes of his humanity, through the eyes of his flesh. Therefore, he wasn't able to grasp the height, the depth, the width, and length, the vastness of God. You see, he had placed God in this little box, and he couldn't imagine God doing something extraordinary, which is why he thought a hotter furnace and, a, and his best soldiers would work. And don't we sometimes fall prey to the same thinking? We refuse to believe that God could do something beyond the parameters that we've placed on him. People presume to know God's ways based solely on their experiences. So when their experiences don't work out, their faith in God wanes. It's when we allow the Holy Spirit to help us see God with spiritual eyes that we truly see that there is no limit and no angle that he can't see and overcome. It's one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith. God is both knowable and unknowable. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. My ways and thoughts are higher than yours. Yet what can be known about God? Well, he saves us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He is good, and he reveals mysteries. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had no relationship with God. Therefore, his perspective was very limited. Now, in ancient times, it was customary to remove clothing before an execution. But according to verse 21, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were fully clothed. They even wore their head coverings. Nebuchadnezzar's uncontrolled fury led to unreasonable haste. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to become angry. Maybe could Nebuchadnezzar be trying to ensure that these three will burn by leaving all their clothes on? I mean, clearly there's an implication here. So the furnace was so hot that it actually killed the soldiers who threw the three men into the furnace. And again, Nebuchadnezzar lost some of his best soldiers because of his uncontrolled temper. But it also shows that the same furnace that just killed these soldiers was the same furnace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into. So, in other words, there was no way out here. I mean, death was a certainty. Or it would have been. So, the three fell, tied up into the fire. And in verses 24 and 25, we read, Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied. He exclaimed, well, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So three tied men went into the furnace. 
and four untied men were walking around in the furnace. Now, most scholars believe this to be a Christophany or theophany, the manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ. You see, God did not spare them from the fire. He didn't spare them from going through the trial. But what he did was even more amazing. He walked with them in it. Now, imagine for a moment that you were about to climb Mount Everest and an expert guide for climbing Mount Everest came up to you and told you that the trip was going to be arduous. It was going to be frustrating, at times even painful. But he was going to give you all the tools that you would need to scale this mountain. Climbing gear, he would give you food, he would give you water, a tent, GPS coordinates even. I mean, that'd probably make you feel pretty good. But you'd still be nervous and scared. Now imagine the guide tells you, okay, I'm going to give you everything you need for your journey. But also, I'm going to go with you. Now how would you feel? I mean, you're still going to have to climb the same mountain. You're still going to have to walk the same trail. But now, you're not alone. And the person you're with, he's traveled that way before. So everything you will experience on the trail, he has already experienced. So how much better is your climb going to be now? I mean, even though it's still going to be hard and even painful at times, but knowing that you're traveling with someone who's an expert, who you know can get you to the top if you just follow him, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Isaiah 43, the Lord says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. You see, this is how believers can do what it says in James 1-2. Consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Because we not only have a guide who will lead us through the trial, but a Savior who loved us enough to die for us, who will fill us with His Spirit, which gives us hope and peace. Elizabeth Elliot once told a story about visiting a farm in northern Wales, where she watched a shepherd nudging a flock of sheep toward a valley. And when they arrived at their pens, she witnessed the shepherd grab each sheep and throw it into a deep bath of antiseptic. Now, as the sheep tried to escape, the shepherd dunked them back in the bath, holding down their nose, their eyes, and ears for a few seconds under the liquid. Now, Elizabeth realized there was no way that the shepherd could explain to the sheep that what was happening to them was for their benefit. She says an explanation would be too lofty for them to understand, and the shepherd that they had grown to trust required only their submission. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't enjoy facing the possibility of their death or being thrown into a blazing fire, and they were given no explanation from God as to why this was happening. They simply trusted that God knew better, and what they did know about God was enough. Sometimes we just need to stand on what we know, that God loves us, that He is good, And he only wants what is best for us. 
and leave the rest up to him. I read a quote that said, The furnace of adversity provides an opportunity for the Lord to be close to his servants. And in verses 26 and 27, we go on to read, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So they came out of the fire. And when the satraps, prefects, governors, and king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. So this dignified, all-powerful king leapt to his feet and ran to the door of a blazing furnace. I mean, does that sound like the actions of a king? Clearly, the appearance of Christ changes things. It certainly changed me when he appeared into my life. Being in the presence of Christ is a great equalizer. When we stand before the Creator and Savior of the world, it no no longer matters what station in life we hold. Kings or captives, all are awestruck when they come into his presence. And notice Nebuchadnezzar called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego servants of the Most High God. The phrase Most High occurs 13 times in the book of Daniel, more than any other book except Psalms. And this is how Nebuchadnezzar saw them. I mean, he didn't refer to them as miracle workers or gods, but servants of the Most High God. You see, his mind immediately went to God when he saw their obedience and faith. What do people think when they see us? Does our witness stand out so that people think God follower or servant of God when they see us? Do we conduct ourselves and our affairs in such a way as to draw attention to his name and not our own? And notice God's attention to detail in verse 27. The fire not only had no effect on their bodies, but not a hair was singed. Their clothes weren't burned. Not even the smell of fire was on them. And this is why Daniel made a point to mention back in verse 21 that they were thrown into the fire with all their robes and trousers and turbans on to highlight the fact of how complete their salvation was. I mean, the fire, it should have ignited them immediately and completely with all those clothes on. But they emerged from the flames without even the smell of fire on them. You see, God cares even about the details. He is an intimate and personal God, and his victories are thorough and complete. He leaves no doubt about his power to overcome. The three men didn't just come out unharmed, but there was no evidence that they were ever in the fire. God's salvation is complete without any help from us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did nothing to bring about their salvation. They only placed their faith and trust in God, and he did the saving. You see, people often think they have to do something, like be a good person to earn salvation or keep their salvation. But if there was something that humans could do, then Jesus didn't need to come. Jesus lived the perfect life because we couldn't, and he became the perfect sacrifice because we couldn't. He took my place and your place on the cross of Calvary once and for all. And we are called to live lives of obedience so that we may grow and mature in our faith, which leads to a closer relationship with Jesus. 
and a more fulfilled life. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, I know that already. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did nothing wrong. I mean, they were thrown into the fire through no fault of their own. But sometimes we may be the cause of the fiery furnaces of life. I mean, we might turn our backs on God and live lives for ourselves. And then later on, we find ourselves in this huge predicament. Think about David and Bathsheba. But before we think we must carry the guilt and shame and weight of sin, the smell of the fire from the furnace of our own making, remember, we serve a God who forgives and cleanses when we confess our sins to him. We serve a God who restores and makes all things new. And so what's the result of God's salvation? Praise and glory to God. Verse 28 says, Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Notice the progression from verse 247 when Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God as being above all others to actual praise for God here. So King Nebuchadnezzar's knowledge of God was progressing, but it can't be said that he was a true believer. I mean, remember, he had a polytheistic worldview and it was ingrained in him, which is probably why he thought God sent an angel to the fire to rescue them and not God himself. One commentator said Nebuchadnezzar was impressed by the manifestation of the power rather than the source of the power. And in verse 29, Nebuchadnezzar issued a decree that anyone who said anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be torn limb from limb and their house made into a garbage dump. Wow, this is quite a dramatic turnaround for someone who had just moments ago issued a decree forcing everyone to bow to a gold statue. But again, trusting in God changes everything. It even spills over into the lives of others. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's trust in God in this situation caused even a pagan king who practically thought of himself as a god to praise the one true God. And scholars also note that the issuing of this decree protected all the Jews from persecution and allowed them to worship God freely while in captivity, and it protected them from idolatry. What far-reaching effects following God can have. One scholar even suggested that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were actually better off having gone through the fire, not because they were rewarded by Nebuchadnezzar, but knowing the nearness of Christ was worth the danger and trial. And that really is the question, isn't it? Is it worth it? Now, I have to be honest and admit that I didn't always think so. I didn't always think it was worth suffering to have a closer relationship with Jesus. But that was before I truly experienced the closeness of Christ during a tremendous difficulty. And believe it or not, I became more assured of his love and goodness during those times of difficulty than I ever did before. Now, when I say I wanted to suffer, well, no, of course not. But now I feel more assured that he will help me through it and that there actually is something to be gained from it. 
And that, in a way, makes it worth it. And so we close today with the challenge. What is your fiery furnace? Will you trust God to show you more of himself in it? And let him shape you and make you more like him through it? So that your trial will have far-reaching effects too? Like they did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.